Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live! And we actually are live this time. (laughs) I honestly thought your, we're live, was gonna be like, we're live. Because it's so early. <laughs> it's so early. We tried to do this last night. It did not work. Technical difficulties out the yang. For the first time in our podcasting career, actually, that's never happened. My mic yeah. just would not pick up audio, and I was troubleshooting for like two hours last night while Katie was like, I'm just going to go. I was like, I was running late and didn't eat dinner, so now I'm going to be even later eating dinner, so I'm out. So here we text are. Me. Text me when you're done. We made it. We I'm made so it. Supportive. Happen. Yeah, literally. Just text me when you're finished. And also don't cry. And I was like, okay, bye. I, I told her not to cry. <laughs> I'll do my best toodles. I'm like, don't cry. It'll be fine. Okay, I'm gonna go eat dinner. <laughs> That's fine. We're here now. Um so true yeah, that, true. second time's the charm oh, today. I also was laughing last night because I feel like when we started this podcast, we had a conversation recorded about you've got a plant and I was like, I can't keep a plant alive. I can't even keep a cactus alive. Like, why would you even mm-hmm. want a plant? And I was just laughing about our, our growth journey because last night- we, Our gardening growth? We were sending photos comparing gardening <laughs> crop. I was sending photos to Katie of my apples and my pears that are on this like uh-huh. nice grafted tree. I didn't do the graft. It was there when we uh-huh. bought the place. And Katie was sending me photos of all of her potatoes. Yeah, I also, we have this like spot in our yard where we had to have some like pipe work done. So there's like one strip across the lawn where they dug up a big trench. So we're like slowly putting grass back there as we can. Um, but this year, because it was just gravel, I decided to throw a bunch of my extra potato plants in it. Nice. And then I put a big, I put a sign up that says the tater crater. <laughs> so now there's just this big part of my yard that has like rogue potatoes growing in it for no reason. That's phenomenal. <laughs> I can't wait to see your I'm going to have a crop. potato side hustle by the end of summer. I really just planted a couple things for myself. And if they don't work this year, it's just like trial and error. Like I'm just learning, but it's so fun. So gardening tips, send them our way. We're both getting really into gardening and it's just a testament to being in our thirties, but we need some yeah. help. So send us all We literally became tips. that reel. That's like, do you remember when you went from taking pictures of like yourself in a nightclub and now you're 30 and you're like, and this is my plant. A hundred percent. That is true. It is very true. Um, We got some orders of business today. Yeah, we do have a few things just off the top before we get into our regularly scheduled program for the day. You wear Reeboks, right? Uh, Right now, I am a Nike girl. Okay, well, I'm usually a Nike ride or die, but I just saw that Cardi B and Reebok are doing a collab together, and I (laughs) may need to check that out. Maybe I'm a Reebok girl now. (laughs) No, I actually used to exclusively wear Adidas um, for some reason. And then when I broke my ankle as it was healing, I found Adidas were not, like, they were never... They have a tighter ankle, I find. Oh, see, I found that the Nike had a more supportive ankle. So all of my Adidas were Mm. like, they were lower of a shoe and just didn't give me enough support. And so I found this one pair of Nikes that I'm obsessed with and they fit like a skate. 
They're so mm. supportive on my ankles, so I never feel like I'm going to like go and for she a run know. and die. I would know. So I love them. I think I love them for that reason. I literally bought them off Poshmark in like every color. Because you're like a Poshmark addict. Because that's the only place I shop. Well, that's not true. I do buy new stuff sometimes, but I always try stuff on in store. For everybody that doesn't know, not an ad. Poshmark is like a Canadian and American uh, app. You can do it online, like app on your phone. Online used retailer. Yeah. Buy and sell used clothes. So it's like thrifting on your phone and it's awesome. But a lot of stuff you guys like one of like the biggest items in landfills. So we should be reusing clothing people. Yeah, that was my biggest reason that I wanted to start doing it. A, I was like, I have all these clothes that I'm I don't want to sell them on Facebook Marketplace. I hate meeting up with people. It's not my style. Uh, And they're too nice to go to like the SOS or like that's what our thrift shop here is or like the Salvation Army. So I'm like, I want to sell Mm -hmm. them, but I don't want to sell them on Facebook or Instagram. So I found Poshmark. Yeah, I don't want someone coming to my house. Yeah, and they actually, they take a small percentage, like any consignment store would. Like it's sort of like, more like consignment than That's actually a good way to put it. It's like online consignment. Yeah, it's like consignment. Yeah. And so they take a percentage, they send you a free shipping label, you just like pack up your clothes, you send it out. Um, <laughs> if you do want to sign up, you can sign up and use the code Olivia by proxy and get $10 off your first order. Um, but it is an awesome way to buy and sell your clothes. Yeah, you know, if you're in the neighborhood. If you need $10 off of your first order on Poshmark because you have something you want to buy. Like, for example, I'll go to Lululemon and try on all the stuff I want. And then I go on Poshmark mm-hmm. and look for it in those sizes. Because, like, people yeah, are like always... Yeah, like, find the fits you want. People are always selling their their name brand stuff on there. Anyway, this yeah. was very off topic. And it I didn't is. even have so, this on the list. You go first. We have a few things to talk about. You can start if you'd like, because I think yours are a little bit more less case related. Yeah, the only thing I really wanted to say before we get into this week's episode was just thank you so much for all the love on last week's episode. You guys really came out and showed support for Chelsea and her case. Um, We saw such a big uptake of listens on that episode. I hopefully some of you stayed around and you're here this week. So hello if you're new, welcome to the show. Um, not much else to say other than that. Share that episode as much as you can to get the word out to people about Chelsea's story. Um, we're really hoping to get a hundred thousand downloads this year. So whatever your favorite podcast by proxy episode is, share it on social media and tag us, and I'll send you a sticker. Um, Thank you so much for all the love reviews lately. We're getting some nice new reviews that we love to see. (laughs) So yeah, if you like the show, if you're new, um, don't forget to go on Spotify or Apple, leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out. Um, Also, I'm hand talking right now. So if you can hear me. She is. If you can hear things like smacking, it's my hands. Um, Also, she brought the metal tumbler with an iced coffee to recording again. Look, it's seven o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I don't care. I need... Coffee I don't care. Get a quiet cup. I would have sounded like, oh, that was my knuckles. Oh, t- I did hear that though. Good morning. The only other thing um, I just wanted to discuss last week's episode quickly and ratings and reviews. The only other thing was thank you so much to everybody who listened to our episode swap with Three's a Crime. Um, a couple weeks ago, we featured uh, another full episode from another podcast in the Pacific Northwest on our 
uh, on our feed. They don't do just Canadian cases. They do kind of everything. But um, we did do a swap with them. So thanks so much for listening to that. Hopefully you guys like swaps like that. It kind of helps us to not only show you new shows of people that we're connecting with, but also get our names and voices out to people who might be listening to similar styles of shows. Um, so it is a really good way for us to kind of like network. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But um, that's it. That's all for me. Today is Katie's week. So you're going to hear way less from me Shmoney. after this five minutes that you've had of an audio oh, dump. Oh, darn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely my week, and we will get into that in a second, and I had two cases picked out. One was a bit longer, one was a bit shorter, just to fill the episode. Um, However, I'm going to actually scrap my shorter episode so you and I can discuss something that's, like, currently in the news, because I think it's actually just as important and relevant and should be talked about. Okay. The Winnipeg police recently announced that they had found the remains of a person. Uh, They don't know the identity yet. They're pending an autopsy at this moment. However, they have reason to believe that it was a 24-year-old missing Indigenous woman named Rebecca Contois. Or Contois. I've been reading all these articles and I just don't want to be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Um, Her remains were actually found in a garbage can near an apartment building in the 200 block of Edison Avenue in Winnipeg. Um, The remains are, like I said, currently pending a lot of investigation as well as identification. They're not ruling out the possibility that there are other victims, though, at this case, because in the last, like, three weeks, multiple young Indigenous women have gone missing in Winnipeg. This is the third one. And so... Yeah, I literally got sent this article right before we were recording yesterday, and I just feel like it's, we need to be vigilant and to bring these, like, current articles to the forefront, too, Mm -hmm. because there was three Indigenous women who were killed in Winnipeg during a span of three weeks in May, so we're just kind of off the tail end of this. So Doris Trout was 25. She was found dead May 25th in an apartment lobby on Kennedy Avenue. Tessa Perry was found unconscious on May 28th in the Maples neighborhood and then died in the hospital. Um, And then Rebecca is the third. So it's super odd. There is a 35-year-old man who has been arrested recently on May 18th and charged uh, with first-degree murder. Now, we don't know if other charges are going to get laid against him or associated because of these cases. But at this time, we don't know that it was him until the autopsy results come back. So we just want to make sure that everyone's being vigilant. And Do they think they were connected? So what happened is when they first found the remains in the garbage can, they, like, called local, like, landfills and were like, halt, like, stop in case this is what someone's doing. We need to look for other victims. So they're currently, like, searching landfills, and apparently they have, like, five or six football fields worth of debris, but because they're using drones as well, they're able to actually, like, cut the search time down significantly. Mm -hmm. So they're, like, actively searching Um, like landfills, dumps, or anything like that where garbage or debris could have been taken to ensure that no other bodies were dumped. Well, that's excellent that they're being so vigilant and really getting on that and being proactive and searching for other victims because, I mean, at least she wasn't found in a garbage can and we didn't get mm, no foul play suspected. Yeah, at least they're looking. And I actually thought this was kind of interesting. So uh, the I believe it's the police detective 
um, his last name's McKinnon, and the Winnipeg Police Department. Their quote says, we are sought to provide trauma-informed and culturally safe support to Rebecca's family during this agonizing time of grief and mourning. That is excellent. And I also appreciate that they did take, like, culturally appropriate forms of healing yeah. for this family, too. Just Yeah, I just think it's crazy that we also expect every family to want to talk to a grief counselor, see a therapist, mm-hmm. talk to this person. It's like, that's not how every family works, especially in Indigenous culture. Yeah. That's just not necessarily going to be the norm. That's some colonized I, bullshit. It is. <laughs> um, well, that's it's just yeah. That's excellent to hear that the Winnipeg police are not only being proactive, but they are being like modern. I guess you could say the word is in their approach, or just like respectful I of think, the community yeah. that they're in. Well, even this wording, he says, I think I'm safe in saying that all incidents involving missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and two-spirit and gender-diverse people. Like, he uses very inclusive terminology, which I appreciate. Can we bring them over to Vancouver? Let's do maybe a little bit of, Can like... Can we swap? Yeah, let's do a little diversity training. It's like wife people. swap, but with cops. Let's just take them and bring them over to Vancouver. We have some things for you to look at and then you can go back after you've taught them how to be respectful of all of other cultures. Totes. Yeah. Totes. Okay. Well, I agree. Thank you. But it's, yeah. So there's, uh, drones, excavators, they're actively searching and working. So we will keep you up to date on that. I was going to say, I will be waiting for an update on that. That's, uh, I know. I mean, of course we hope that there are not connected the the way that they died all or like not the way that they died but like how they were found all seems pretty different so you would think it does probably not but at the same time like the garbage dump could be an escalation you never really know um but yeah Mm -hmm. we will be all very interested to hear kind of what the outcome of that is and uh yeah we'll keep you posted once the autopsy results come back and police provide more information if anything's connected or if there's any more movement on the suspect who's been arrested early on May 18th, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Um, Just on the subject of like, oh, is it one person or not? I remember I was, I think it was a documentary I was listening to recently or watching, listening to. Um, and they said something along the lines of like, what's scarier? One monster or five? Like, see, I don't know. Like what, I it, think, what is the. But then, you know, in my mind, I think one. Because I'm like, if we catch one, it's he's off the streets. So then five would be scarier. I think, yeah. Like so I'm five like, individual I think five would perpetrators is yeah. way too more terrifying than one. Because five will probably still escalate. So that's five you have that are getting worse and worse out there. And the odds are we might, what, arrest 40% of them Yeah. over time? I that's was just, still use It was just a really interesting there. way to look at it because... We're always like, oh, like, it would be horrible if it was one person and, like, we don't want a serial... Nobody wants a serial killer anywhere doing anything ever. Um, yeah. But given the the choice of, like, five individual perpetrators <laughs> at the same time what do you or choose? one, like, what do you choose? What would you rather? That's the worst what would you rather, by the way. Um, um, that's like when people are like, would you rather get attacked by, like, one... What is it? A hundred horse set or duck sized horses or one horse sized duck. Yeah, like it's like a st- like, stupid. What would you rather like that? Neither. I would rather <laughs> neither of those things. 
I don't want to be attacked by a duck or a horse. No, thank, thank you, you bro. <laughs> However, in this instance, just given that, what you just said, a thousand duck-sized horses. Can How you imagine one horse-sized <laughs> duck? Absolutely Think not. about this, guys. What if you could pick up a horse like a little puppy? How cute would that be? Yes, that would be adorable. Like, <laughs> the other way around, not so much. Oh. Okay. It would be a huge-ass duck. It would be like the Aflac duck on crack. It would be fucking terrifying. Aflac. Okay, yeah. I think um, I think we're ready to get into today's episode now that we've talked about ducks and horses. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm, like, intrigued by this case. I want it solved. It's bothering me. <sighs> We're going to have another so, one yeah. of those weeks. Are we? Yeah, it's another one of those. This one I kind of started and then I I wasn't going to do a whole case, like a whole episode on this one case. But I felt like, like we said, with the other uh, topics we want to talk about, I think that this one deserves to be a standalone because yeah. it is unsolved. And I think we should dedicate the time to them i was gonna say we used to shy away a lot from covering unsolved cases just because they could be so sensitive and and we like a resolution we're both people that like to wrap things up yeah but the more we have been on this journey the more i gravitate towards unsolved cases because they deserve to be talked about there's a call to action with them yeah like we need help yeah, like, they, there are cold cases and unsolved cases that have been solved after, like, 30 years. Like, no case is too old or too cold to be solved. I hate that I just said that. Can we make a shirt that says, no case is too old or too cold for a podcast it's by proxy? so early. It's so early in the morning. Oh, my goodness. No case is too old or too cold. What? I think yeah. I think we have to re-record our <laughs> promo and include that. Um. <laughs> no case is too cold or too cold. So that gets by proxy. That is the introduction into today's episode. Take it that's away. <laughs> Great, that's what I have to work with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Today, and I actually wrote my notes on a computer. Who am wow. I? Wow gross you guys aren't gonna hear any flippy pages today i know i even put my other notebook away so i wasn't (laughs) tempted to touch it but today we're gonna talk about the jack family okay have you ever heard of them no okay good well not really because we want people to hear about it as we've just discussed yeah, you like to tell me stories i haven't heard though so i get that i know but i love it she just she likes my reaction I love it. Nobody else can see, but my facial expressions get real. Okay, so today we're going to talk about, like I said, the Jack family. Um, There wasn't too much about the couple themselves' early life, but we are going to be talking about Ronnie and Doreen. Okay. They met when they were in their teens. Um, Ronnie was born in Burns Lake. He was a member of the Cheslata Carrier Nation. Okay. First Nations. So they were based on a uh, south bank of Francois Lake. So it's actually about 23 kilometers away from Burns Lake. Uh, but Ronnie was bur- born there and his parents still live in Burns Lake to this day. Okay. So the incident that we're going to discuss is August 1st, 1989. 
Ronnie. Now his name is Ronald Paul Jack, but everybody knows him as Ronnie. He's never gone by Ronald. So I'm going to call him Ronnie. He decides that he is going to go out for a drink at the First Leader Pub in Prince George. And if you look at pictures, it's like this like bright purple and yellow little pub. It's so funny. It's like a little strip mall pub like you'd see here or like in Nanaimo, like totally where we live. It's like on point. And Prince George isn't very big. Not at all. For everybody who's wondering, it's like a tiny northern BC town. There's not much going on there. Andrew Ross is from there. Shout out. (laughs) I don't know, it's just (laughs) I remember. He'd always be like, PG. (laughs) Ah, let me scroll. So Ronnie had recently lost his job. He was working at a sawmill in Prince George, but had suffered a pretty severe injury to his back. And so he wasn't able to work and he was the sole breadwinner for the family. So they were kind of left to be on this like really tiny welfare income now because they were only getting essentially a percentage of his wages and providing this for their family of four was pretty tough. Yeah. So they were really struggling to make ends meet. And Ronnie had decided that this night he was just going to go out by himself, head down to the pub, just have a drink and kind of just relax for the night. Uh, Ronnie and Doreen, as we mentioned, had two small children that were back at home with Doreen. Their youngest was Ryan, Paul, Jack, who was four years old, and Russell, Fabian, Jack, nine years old. Um, and they were tucked in at bed, tucked in at, I can't even talk at 7 a.m. I know. They were at home with their mother, tucked in sleeping, minding their own business. Makes sense. While at the First Leader pub... A man overhears Ronnie, uh, like, discussing with the bartender and other people there the hardships of, you know, being on this small income and how tough it is and just, like, your normal, like, griping between people at a bar, like, talking about your hardships, like, Yeah, he's typical. just, like, chatting. Yeah. 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 Like, hey, bartender, how's it going? Oh, it could have been better, you know? The wife's really, you know, rah, That's literally like, what that I kinda... imagine Brandon did before we met. Totally. He probably still does it when he goes to OJ's all the time. Probably. (laughs) Well, the wife's at home recording right now. I was going to say not anymore because I have an office so I don't have to kick him out of the entire house to record one of these. That's true. You're like, just go in the other room. We have that luxury now. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. (laughs) As Ronnie is discussing this at the bar, a man overhears it and approaches him. And he advises that... Due to the small income and being on welfare, he thinks that he could really help out the family because he actually owns, like, a big ranch and logging farm not far from there and says, like, I could take you there. You can come do some work, work for a couple weeks, make some good money. It'll probably really help you out. And I could use the laborers. Great, right? I know this seems weird, but in small towns here, overhearing someone and offering someone work in the 80s, it really wasn't weird, so... Just FYI. <laughs> I feel like that wouldn't even be weird now. Like where no, we live, like, for example, like I laborers could definitely see that happening, especially. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So at this point, Ronnie mentions that his back's starting to get back to health. He thinks he could be able to do it. And this seems like a really amazing opportunity. Yeah. The man informs them that the property is um, near the Lucal's Lake area off the Yellowhead Highway is translated to a big white fish 
which I think is really neat, and is based on a story told by the local carrier people of a group who paddled across the lake in their canoes and were tipped over by a giant white fish, which is kind of scary. That's terrifying. Could you imagine just, like, canoeing? Absolutely not. Those videos where people are kayaking and there's, like, giant whales under them. I was just going to mention this. So there was a gray whale, which is the largest species of whale in the world, I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's correct. Found off the coast of the island where we live. And there's like an aerial shot. You can see it. It's the length of like 85 football fields. And then a tiny little boat in the middle, like over top of it. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, because they're not going to feel you if they come up to breach the surface of the water and just, like, knock you over. That's the scary part. I can't even... I'd be losing it. I'd probably pass out and just be like, wake me up when this is over. Anyways, okay. Well, if you pass out, you'd probably drown. Our bodies are meant to fall face down. Yeah. As we learned about decomposition a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Our arms and legs weigh us face down. (laughs) When discussing the logging camp further, he mentions that they're going to need many members to work on site as this is a fully functional year-round logging camp where they will need field workers, kitchen staff, first aid, as well as other staff. Uh, We'll come to find out that he implies that there's a lot of other services within the camp, so there'll be additional services there that would need employees. The camp is located about 40 kilometers west of Prince George near the Bednesti Lake. And that causes a bit of an issue for the family because they advise the man that they actually don't have their own car right now. So they don't know how they're going to get the 40 kilometers to this camp to get there to work. Makes sense. Yeah. The man continues to go on and tell him about how he'll be bucking logs and he'll be doing these jobs. And Doreen can work in the kitchen as either like kitchen help or a sous chef, one or the other. And when he brings up the concern of their two boys and that maybe only he could go work because Doreen may have to stay home with them, he advises that there's also going to be childcare on site at this camp. This is just starting to sound too good to be true and also pushy. Yes. Like I'm telling you no and you're like, but. Oh, my next note here is literally like, wow, sir, what a big camp you have. Right. Like. Oh, magically it, my kids can just come too and there's going to be free childcare? Like, what world is this? Also, did you... I feel like you'd know about a big camp 100%. 40 kilometers away if you grew up there. So I think that would be questionable. And, then, and there are a lot of logging camps in the area, don't get me wrong. But I think you would know about something so extravagant 40 kilometers away. Right, and if this, if you're trying to staff it, it gets the 80s. There would be posters. There would be, like, newspaper articles about a job opening. Yeah, or word of mouth would have been all through this town. Yeah, The little town 100%. surrounding it. Because Prince George is literally the closest town. If anything was opening up that was, like, an employment opportunity for a large number of people, you would know about it. Especially in, like, a really like remote area. area. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you. And that was what kind of stood out to me. It wasn't even the fact that, like, this guy was talking about this. It was the fact that no one around was like, hey, I've never heard of this place. Right. What are you talking about? It seemed odd to me. Of course, he's listening to this man. It sounds like work, money, childcare, the family stays together. Like you said, it's too good to be true. 
However, Ronnie immediately thinks this is exactly what they need to just, like, get back on their feet. And so he really doesn't think he can pass it up. It's going to put money in their pockets and get them going again. Yeah, and in hindsight, I say it sounds good, too good to be true. In the moment, I also probably would have jumped on it because when you, oh, need, if I was when you have a family to and feed, kids, yeah, right, you'll do anything. Totally. As mentioned, Ronnie poses the question to this man, though, like, I don't know how you think we're going to get there. Yeah. And this guy says, don't worry, I'll drive you. No, thank you. Right. Right. Yeah. As mentioned, 40 kilometers west, the guy says, no worries, I will pick you up. You head home, get your stuff together, I'll come pick you up, I'll drive you to the camp. So also he's going to be driving him there in the middle of the night. Oh, like now. Yeah, so this is, yeah, we'll get to the timeline a little bit, but this is all in real time. So imagine he went to the bar at like probably 9 p.m. after the kids went to bed, sat there, talked to this guy. Yeah. And this guy's like, let's go pack your stuff. Yeah, he's like, YOLO, hop in. I got seats for everybody. Um, okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Go home, grab your belongings. I'll be right there. Go At home. At 11 Lock your door. Don't ever yeah. leave Hide again. your kids. Hide your wives. Legit. Okay. 11.16 p.m. Ronnie calls his brother, and he tells him all about this camp job that he's getting saying it sounds great he's super optimistic and honestly like i think any of us would i think he's just more happy that ronnie sounds so optimistic and positive that he's like dude that's great awesome like doesn't really think too much of it well and again this is a common scenario like i have a friend who works in construction and he has told me about jobs he's gotten before because he went to the bar and was talking out loud about how he needed a job like this happens it just doesn't usually happen at 11 o'clock at night on the spot how often do people on trades jobs say like oh fuck man my electrician bailed on me last minute i need another one and it's always just like oh i know a guy who knows a Mm -hmm. guy who knows a guy let me see if he can help you like, it's always just kind of word of mouth with trades, I find. Yeah, around here, I that's a really common it. scenario. It's just not common that you would go an hour later in the middle of the night. That's the only part that's uncommon here. But he doesn't want to miss out on the job, and the guy is going back there at this time. It's 40 kilometers, right. so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 40 kilometers, so about an, just under an hour away or so. Middle, Yeah. 1.15 a.m., Ronnie calls his parents now, as we mentioned, who live in Burns Lake, and advises them that he would be gone for 10 to 14 days to work, because this is mid-August, and the kids have school the second week of September. So he's like, we'll be gone, like, 14 days, we're just going to bank some money, work hard, and we'll be back. No one really thinks it's that weird still. They're like, okay, it's the 80s. Doreen and Ronnie have now been at home, packed up their stuff, um... The pub and his home are on the same street, so it does seem as though Ronnie just walked home and got ready and, like, informed everybody and made his phone calls. And following the phone call at 1.15, by 1.21 a.m., the Jack family from Neighbors was seen piling into a dark-colored 4x4 pickup, but were unable to identify the driver because of how dark it was. Right. Okay. So, locals of the neighborhood, as we mentioned, were able to give a pretty good description of the vehicle itself, but nothing about the actual man. 
So once they were officially reported on August 25th, 1989, and this being really the first Canadian case of its kind where someone had been like false pretense lured for work and it was a whole family, um, police did actually jump into action pretty quick, even though it was an Indigenous family, which we don't always see. And at the time of the disappearance, they were reported that Ronnie was 26 years old. He stood five foot six. He was, uh, he had black hair, brown eyes. Um, actually all four of the family members, they just said black hair, brown eyes. So we'll get there. Doreen Jack was 26 years old. She was about five foot three. She was 111 pounds and had black hair and brown eyes. Their little babies, Russell Jack, who was nine, he was four feet tall. And Ryan Jack was about three feet tall at four years old. When police went back to the when police went back to the pub, they were actually able to get a pretty good description of the man from all the pub goers because he actually had been sitting in the pub for quite some time having a drink and having this conversation with Ronnie. So the bartender was also able to provide a pretty good description. They said that he was a Caucasian male standing six to six feet five, 275 pounds. He was not fat though. He was just like a big stocky guy standing so tall. He had a very clear compa- complexion. He was about 35 to 40 years old. He had a mustache with red-brown hair parted down the side and went to about the base of his ear. He was wearing a hat, a red checkered shirt, faded jeans, and a blue nylon weather jacket, as well as, like, leather work boots that had some tassel work on them and, like, tassels on the toes. Good Food is Canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door. Good Food makes cooking fun, easy, and affordable. They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket. Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with Good Food, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for Good Food today using the code FREEPODCASTBYPROXY to get your first classic box for free. That's free podcast by proxy when creating your good food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends. If you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q and a sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at podcast by proxy. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. Okay. This one is really strange because like what, what use would you have for an entire family? Yeah. And like you went you, you went out of your way. This is just so strange to me. Yeah. I'm sure you'll answer some of my questions, but maybe not. Probably not. Really? No, probably not. That's the really frustrating. That's why I was like so annoyed about this. That I was like someone knows something about this. We just need to get the word like, out. Like it because... doesn't sound like they knew each other in any capacity. So you just no. went to a random bar in Prince George and sat there waiting for an entire like... family that you could poach. Everybody in these towns, you and I can speak to this, in the early 90s, 
Everybody walks in and goes, oh, hey, how's it going? You know everybody in that bar. 100%. The one guy that no one knows stands out. That's why people were like, yeah, of course we know what he looks like. Yeah. I just did. <laughs> really weird. Okay. Continue. Following those initial reports, as well as a $2,000 reward being posted, no one came forward with any viable leads, any suspects, nothing. And it pretty much immediately, the case went cold. There was no remains, no suspect they could find. They didn't know where this camp was. There was literally, like, nothing to go on. They didn't find a vehicle. There was no CCTV because it was the nothing. 80s. And all they had for a vehicle was it was a dark-colored pickup with 4x4. Because it was nighttime. They saw it in, like, this odd little neighborhood at night. So weird. Yeah. Seven years after the family goes missing, they finally get a tip that's a little bit viable, but not really that helpful. At 8.30 a.m. on January 28th in 1996, a caller from Stony Creek, B.C., reaches out to the police in Vanderhoof. BC and for anyone else these are all just like very small towns yeah. in like the interior BC yeah, or like in rural and, BC in and around that area and all the person calls and says is the Jack family is buried in the south end of blah, 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 ranch you can't tell what ranch they mention the call lasts about 10 seconds and then the caller hangs up they're not able to trace the call at the time dispatch is not able to find out who it was And following this odd interaction, local authorities actually, like, reached out to the public and were like, we need your help. Please call back if this was you. And if it wasn't you and we don't get any results, we are going to post the audio clip online and, like, to the public. Not online. It was 96. We're going to post it to the public. We're going to play it on the radio. (laughs) Okay, probably. Yes. (laughs) No, they're like, we will literally put your voice out to the public. We will find you. Like, they were looking for anything. They were not able to find the name of the ranch or anyone who listened to it at the time was not able to decipher even, like, an inkling of what the ranch could be. We will blast you on FM radio. <laughs> how many serious comes up. How many ranches could there really be in that area, though? Farm-wise, though? But, like, with the the name Ranch. Like, it sounds like this place goes by something Ranch. And not all farms oh, yeah. go by blah, 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 Ranch. So, couldn't we just... I'm gonna go with quite a few. But the thing is, I don't think this place even existed. So oh. that's the thing. Like, Do you think this was false? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm... I feel like he was telling them about this ranch and this place that didn't exist. Right. So now this person might know something or might just be like, well, we'll get to it in a second, what the call comes out as. But it's just someone could just be using that information and know that they've used the term ranch and be saying that. Yeah, that's true. Because they know that, like, they could just be fucking with them. So I don't know. That's why we have hold back evidence. In March of 1996, um, so, like, two months later, the call is sent to UBC, where they're actually able to use a little bit more technology on the recording, and they're actually able to get some call tracing done with the information from the call. 
they're able to trace it back to a house that's actually in Vanderhoof, so it's not even in Stony Creek. That's just where it looked like the call was coming from at the time. Makes sense why they called when, Vanderhoof police. Right? Like, it would route to your local police. <laughs> but when they went back to look at the time of call and actually were able to route where the call came from and approached the homeowners, they said, oh yeah, the day, that time of day, we had actually had a big house party and there was a bunch of people here. It was 8.30 in the morning. I don't know if I believe that. Unless it was like everyone had stayed over from the house party and like there was just a bunch of people in the house so they don't know who made the call. But I just found it very odd that they like show up and they're like, oh yeah, uh, we were having a house party. We don't know who made that call. Nothing good is happening if you're still partying at 8.30 a.m. Sorry. Unreliable. Nothing good happens after midnight. Unreliable source. I remember when I was younger, it used to be 2 a.m. And now I'm like, nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after 10.30 p.m. I agree. Go to bed. I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you throughout. Oh, God. As a yawn. It's okay. Did you hear my dog fall off the couch? I've been hearing your dog snore this entire recording. (laughs) (laughs) She's about to cry now. Okay. I need to know Anyhow. what is going on here. So after that phone call, have they gotten any other tips? So house party call brings nothing, really. They get their hopes up, but it really turns out to be nothing because no one will take onus for making the call. No one will confirm who made it, how it was made, yeah. why they made it, whatever. And even what so it So they contains. kind of... Exactly. So they obviously go out and look at other farms and large properties that could be considered ranches in Vanderhoof as well, because why not? Um, And again, if you are from the area, you'll understand that a lot of people are actually taken out to these areas to dump remains and bodies. Like these are very quiet, desolate areas between these little cities. So or towns so it's just something to keep in mind like because you kind of think well why are they going to all these little towns or why are these places all far apart they're not they're all very small towns and cities that are close together so it makes sense why their police departments could have also been called in error potentially if someone lived on a city border yeah let's just for reference um the distance because we've talked about prince george vanderhoof I was going to say, Burns Lake. the distance between, say, like, Prince George and Vanderhoof, I know it's not very big, just from, um, so it's about an hour. Yeah. So, so that's the same distance that he said the ranch was from the bar. Yeah. So, again, this man could have been talking about any location that he planned to do anything with this family. Yeah. However, he just used the timeline. Right? Why not use information so you're not lying, so to speak? It gives you less chances to fuck up your story. Well, and it's believable because, like, we were just talking about all those little towns are about an hour outside of Prince George. Yeah. So. Throughout the course of this investigation, though, the RCMP interviewed hundreds of people, had thousands of documents related to the family, people they thought could be suspects, vehicles, as well as searched several properties throughout, like we said, Vanderhoof and the Prince George areas. Most recently, they actually did an additional search in 2019, so they're still actively looking into this case, which makes me feel good, and that's also why I wanted to do it, because we can find information here. Like, we could do this still. This is still an active case. Resources are still being allocated to it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so in 2019, there was a farm south of Vanderhoof that actually belongs to the Saikus First Nations Reserve, and that search lasted three days, um, and it was really thorough. They called out ground-penetrating radar, heavy equipment, and other police resources as well, which I'm hoping means, like, canine and stuff like that. Although they didn't let into what other information that was, I assuming, like you Wednesday, just like eating the carpet. Over the years, RCMP have also worked with uh, other patrons from the pub. Like, they've renewed their composite sketch of this man, like, two or three times okay. in those years. So they did it, they did the initial one in 1989. Um, and then they said that there was an additional one that came out in 1990 that it seemed like everybody kind of agreed upon, like, oh my god, that's him. So they haven't done additional since then. Okay. However, there is, <clears throat> and I will link them as well to you so you can use them, um, there's full age progression photos of this family done as well, considering it was so long ago and the children were nine and four. That's so sad. So there's, yeah, there's like age progression photos of these kids, what they would assume they'd look like as like 20 something year olds. Like it's, it's amazing what they've done. Um, like, and again, like I said, they just wanted a better life. Yeah. Like he just went to have a drink at a bar and thought someone offered him a job. Yeah, like, you really just preyed on somebody at their lowest, like, when they were vulnerable, and that's just horrible. Totally. And from everything I saw, like I said, there wasn't much information about their early life, but it just seemed like they were, like, a really happy couple and in love and just had their two little boys and were just, like, this nice little family. And, like, from they what were I heard, young. Like, like saw. he was, like, 26, so they're just... Yeah, they're both mid-20s. Yeah, like, they're just starting, you know, that's when you're just trying to get your career off the ground, and they have two kids, and they're just trying to put food on the table, and, like, probably envisioned this amazing life they would have in 10 years, and, like, somebody just took that away, we think. Yeah, and I think that there's also the element of, you know, they probably had their first child based on the math, obviously, when they were, like, 17, and they, it seems like they probably worked really hard. To get where they are. And now he just thinks like, okay, I haven't been supporting my family like I want to. And I'm finally getting this opportunity. So I'm going to take it. Yeah. And the fact that his kids were just like brought into it. Like unknowingly is just so sad. And his wife, like, could you imagine like you're in this situation and Brandon comes home and goes, babe, we got offered this job. We can both work. We're going to go for 14 days and we're just going to like get money in our pockets and we'll come back and we'll. We'll be able to, like, just get our heads on straight and get settled again. You'd be like, oh, my God, that feeling of relief. You wouldn't even really question it, I don't think. I wouldn't go anywhere at one in the morning, but. Well, that was, I that's do, what we killed me is the time. I do I'd agree that given the circumstances, it would be like, wow, this is amazing. Like, let's jump on this. We can't miss this opportunity. We don't have our own car. Like, there's a lot of things out of their control here. And I'm, like. Yeah, it's like a moment of opportunity and you feel like if you squander it, it'll never happen again. So sad. Yes. It's crazy that nobody knows anymore, too. Well, someone does. Somebody definitely knows more and they need to make a phone call. But like, yeah, that's wild. What makes me sad, though, is like this guy was 35 to 40 years old as the suspect at the time in the 80s. So... At this point, like, there is a chance this person might not be alive anymore if they're in their early 60s. Yeah. 
Like, we're getting to that point where if we don't solve this within the next 15 years, the person who committed these crimes will almost guaranteed not be alive. And that does just present a whole new array of challenges. And that makes me really sad because we may run into an instance where this just never gets solved, which in normally in indigenous cases, we hear that it seems like police don't care. But in this case, like, they're still actively looking. It sounds like that they've done their job since day one with this one which is great yeah to hear, it, it but it was like they were picked up in the middle of the night and disappeared in the 80s it's a tough one to look into anyway yeah and they did get a great description composite sketches photos of the victims descriptions of the victims like it does seem like they did the best they could with what information they had at the time yeah but the fact that no one's come forward and said like oh i think it might be this or i know someone similar or i saw a similar interaction at this pub or blah 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 it's like i don't believe someone would just pick up a family of four for their first attempt at doing this yeah i don't aliens i'm just kidding Maybe. I've been watching. That's what I think when people just disappear. Are too much Stranger Things. If you follow us on Instagram, you know oh God, so that good. I just started Stranger Things for the first time. I'm one of those people that like won't watch things when they're popular. Like when they're first popular. Oh, I just, I'm like, no, Usually, sorry. Yeah. I think it has to do with the fact that we did work for a company that sold tv channels and so yeah like whenever we like, had to talk about well, it all the time anyway and, and promote for example it. like game of thrones when movie game, central when game of thrones <laughs> would like a new season would start like our work would literally explode that day with people trying to add the channel so they could watch game of thrones and i was always just like oh my god this is so ridiculous so i just i think subconsciously i won't jump on tv show hypes for that reason shit like this too we'd always get like swag for channels when they came out like i literally have a hollywood suites book here because we used to work in cable (laughs) yeah so i think just like because of that i mean i never really jumped on tv shows before that either but i just don't watch tv shows when they're like really 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 popular um no brandon managed to get me to start stranger things because obviously there's a new season and i'm a little bit addicted i'm a little bit obsessed it's taken a little bit of my life away the like the pure like cinematography and like cg of that show is like mind-blowing so far mind-blasting storytelling really good like i don't feel like i'm watching a show about nine-year-olds or 12-year-olds or however old they're supposed to be in season one the character development and casting for a show with kids is like impeccable yeah like i don't feel like i'm watching 12-year-olds and then also they do a really good job about having kind of like all this background adult layers going on like with you know the sister and parents parents and and things like that so home life and i'm loving it um, it's taking away part of my life that I, I need. Wait till you get to season, well, like the last season, because the soundtrack is like bomb.com. Right. But I need my life back. Like I need that time there back. I didn't have that much time to begin with. Um, but well, you're going off the grid today, aren't you? I am. Yes. Well, I'll have service, but I am leaving. Yes. Okay. Well, please don't download and watch Stranger Things while you're gone. I don't think we will. It kind of depends. Our trailer has a smart TV in it. So if the... Oh, if it's pouring rain, I say go I was going to say, if it's raining it. and we have hookups in the trailer, then we can watch TV. If not, then we can't really anyways. But 
Well, that's camping for you. Yeah. Glamping. I have a smart actually. TV. Glamping. I know. I want to go to Hornby with you today. Yes. Uh, so we're obviously from Vancouver Island. It's the main island, but we're surrounded by a bunch of little islands, and they're fun to visit. So I'm going to go to Hornby for the weekend, and uh, yeah. I want to take Simon to uh, Salt Spring and like ride bikes around. That would be fun. Uh, we might rent bikes on Hornby. <gasps> it's so cute to go rent little cruisers. I was talking about it. I was like, oh. can we rent bikes and go to all the little like they have a distillery yes, yes, and a winery can. and like a mead place where my brother's getting also, married. Like, your boyfriend is not going to be like, oh no, I don't want to go to a brewery. <laughs> Correct. He will ride bikes for any form of liquor. He doesn't drink ever at home. It's just he's a social drinker. No, just every time I see him. Do you want a beer? Okay. Absolutely. I love it. Always. He's so casual yes. and relaxed. Yeah. Sure. You got a koozie? Well, today's case was a wild one. That's crazy. I hate Before it. Before we wrap up, people though. vanish. I just hate it. Yeah. Me too. Before we wrap up, though, I will say, like, if anybody has any information about this case... You can reach out to the Prince George RCMP, uh, 250-561-3300. Um, the case number for reference is 1989-28607. Or you can reach out to Crime Stoppers, which is, as we know, anonymous. You can reach out to them at any time via phone or email. Um, you can also reach out to any... In- bc indigenous resources and they will also assist you um they will also be able to provide any type of outreach or resource if you're someone that identifies as aboriginal and you would prefer to go through your own local resources or where you feel comfortable please do that as well awesome i didn't know that about um do we have like um a preferred indigenous resource like in bc that you would want to reach out to if you had information about a case like that you should actually be able to reach out to within your local police departments here they will have uh someone who works directly with the aboriginal community and you can actually speak to them directly uh all the rcmp detachments should have an indigenous liaison yeah exactly well, that's good to know. Any other resources we do find, we will put them in the episode show notes. Um, thank you so much for being with us this week. Sorry if I'm a little nasally. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time. So oh I'm literally, I can't breathe. It's I morning. don't know if it's because it's 7 a.m. or if I'm just having issues, but <laughs> I can't breathe. Um, yeah, we will see everybody next week. Chit chat with you next week on the flippity flop. That didn't make any sense. Bye. Who are you? <laughs> I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
edit this out. No. I just had a really good moment in my career, and Katie will appreciate this. So about five or six years ago, maybe longer now, um, we had a manager, Big Bad BA, and I loved him so much. So He provided me the best support. He was the perfect manager for me. And And had he gotten down on one knee and proposed, she probably would have said yes as well. Probably. But yeah, if he had gotten on one down knee, down on one knee and proposed to be my manager for the rest of my life, I would have said yes. Yeah. Um, and I, at the time, just, like, didn't do well with change. I get attached to people and, like, you know, how things flow. Um, and he announces that he got a promotion. He's not going to be our manager anymore. I literally had a meltdown. Like, we are in, she, like, in the middle of a room into his office of, like, like, 30 people. Uh-huh. And I was, like, hyperventilating. Um, so... A similar situation just happened to me. I have never, ever in my life liked a manager as much as I did him. And I had that manager recently. And she announced to us that she had taken a promotion and wasn't going to be our manager anymore. And I was so graceful. I took it so gracefully. And, and I was like, like, congratulations, you deserve it. I'm so proud of you. And I was looking at all of the silver linings of all the, the ways it's going to benefit me. And mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to share that growth with you. Yeah, guys, if you feel like someone you like, like a leader is moving up the chain of command, that's actually a positive for you. You yeah, now have a relationship have a with like someone me. higher up. Like look, just... for, look for the silver lining. Look for the yeah. good things in that God. situation. I Don't will never forget that. Neither. And then we were sitting at our desks and you're like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Legit. What a mess. <laughs> oh, my chest hurts so bad. I can't laugh at you like this. Okay. Okay. The Let's Jack get real family. sad. Let's cut the laughing. Because this yes. is about to get sad. Yeah. Gotta so the Jack serious. family. We're getting serious here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so early. I know. Okay. I gotta gather my... I'm centering myself. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know how to center myself. I don't think I've had a relaxed day in 32 years. It's legit. Literally had to be like, am I 32? (laughs) 